Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Acts chapter 9. The author C.S. Lewis, in his book, A Grief Observed, made this statement, said, all of us are equally bankrupt, but some have just not declared it yet. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? When you try to live life apart from the Lord, you, you realize you're bankrupt. Have you ever tried to make things happen on your own and you've just absolutely worn yourself slick? I got some Oklahoma people in here know what I just said, right? Let me, let me, you've worn yourself out? You've gotten tired? Why? Because you try to make things happen on your own. Maybe you try to live life apart from God and all of a sudden you just had this realization that without him, life is a colossal waste. Life is just real hard when, when we try to do things on our own and, and against the Lord. And, and in fact, uh, today I really feel like the Lord wants to encourage us here today. If you are here today and you have a son or a daughter or a spouse or a grandchild or a coworker or somebody who's far from God, I really believe the Lord wants to bring hope today. Not just hope, but I believe he wants to bring you a supercharged hope that is, that is grounded in what he is able to do. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who's able to do it all? David, he said this in Psalm 139. I, I love it. He says, if I go up to, hev- up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. The, what he's trying to get across right there is, Lord, there is, there's, whether it's heaven, whether it's down into the, the areas of death, Sheol is the original language that's right there. Lord, there, there's no place that's off limits to you, but really what he's implying is that everywhere in between, God, you can get to it. You're there. When I was a kid, um, I love to hunt and fish even as an adult, but when I was a kid and I would go out hunting especially or fishing, it always seemed like the best hunting was on the other side of the fence. Posted, right? Over there on the other side of the posted sign was the best hunting or fishing. And when I was a kid, you know what? I'm just gonna be transparent and honest with you here today. The posted sign meant nothing. You say, what does it have to do with us here today? You may have loved ones here today that you are so desperately believing for them to have a radical encounter with God and you think, dear God, their life is so godless that not not even God could reach in and, and touch them. As if there is some spiritual posted sign on their life that that they are off limits. You be encouraged today, as David would have us to know, there is not one place, there is no one, there is no situation that God cannot reach into and change. Amen? I'm gonna show you that this this morning in Acts chapter nine. We're gonna look at the life of a guy that's probably familiar to anybody that's ever read the New Testament, and that is a guy by the name of Saul, who would later be known as the Apostle Paul. He didn't start out as the Apostle Paul. He started out as a literal nightmare to the New Testament church. And some of you went like, ooh, I'm related to that person. (laughs) I'm married to that person. No, do not point. 
What's funny, when you sit up here, you see people start to nudge their spouse and then they go, nah, better not. (laughs) Smart. The Apostle Paul, at this time is known as Saul, who's a very religious person. He's a Pharisee, Pharisees as he claimed of himself. He was trying to keep the law and he took it upon himself to try to stomp out the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and stop the spread of the early church. In fact, in Acts chapter eight, verse three, it says that Paul or Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women, throwing them in prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Let me say this, church people. Our response to persecution needs to be preaching. Not necessarily from the platform, but the declaration of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. We think in the modern church that we are persecuted just because they didn't play our music or somebody sat in our seat. Don't laugh, it happens, right? Well, I'm persecuted because there wasn't enough parking spaces out there today. Park on the grass. Hello? Pastor's preaching hard, I love you, but listen to me. We feel as if we are un, under some spiritual attack that I think the, 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 the early church would look at us and go, get over it, right? If we are under persecution, and let me just say this, uh, we, we feel as, and, and I know right now, the, the message of Jesus is, is being attacked right now, churches are, are, are being looked down upon, but let me encourage you, according to scripture, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. It's only gonna get worse. And let me encourage you, don't freak out because greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world. And when the persecution rises up, understand that, let me just say this, the world is just, is just playing according to the script. It's supposed to ramp up before Jesus comes, amen? But, but our result, is, our, our, the resulting of this is not that we recoil, but that we preach and declare the message of Jesus Christ. And that's ultimately what was happening in the New Testament church. They were under persecution. They were, Saul was literally hunting Christians down, throwing them in prison, having them beaten, in many cases killed. And their response was declaring the message of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter nine, verse one says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. I want you to underline that phrase against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, that's what it was referred to, either men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then his response, I love it, is, who are you, Lord? Now, there's some debate right there that either he was just basically attributing, uh, okay, you're in charge. I don't know who you are. You're in charge. Or he actually knew who it was. I have found in my own life that I have tried to excuse things away only to really be honest know that God was trying to get my attention. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. 
The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Verse 8, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hands into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I'm going to pray. And would you join me this morning? Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Can we do that, Father? For the next few minutes that we're in here, and as we look at Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, I ask, Lord, that you just bring a fresh hope that there is no one, no situation off limits to you. And it's that your will, Scripture says, that none should perish. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Blind. He was blind. Have you ever had the Lord turn the lights out on you? I mean, you thought you had a plan and it was obliterated. The marriage was going fine until it wasn't. The paycheck was coming in until it stopped. Maybe right now the lights are turned out and you can't even put your finger on it, but there's anxiety and fear there. I wonder if... God had to blind Saul in order for him to obey. Years ago, I was in Africa on a, on a missions trip, and we had the opportunity to stay at a game farm. And I'll, I'll never forget, uh, the individual we were staying with has, has a ministry. Many of you know him, Jacques Von Bommel, incredible ministry. He said, hey, uh, we have these ostriches out here on the game farm, but we need to take them in uh, to make sure, you know, make sure they got all their vaccinations and that they're okay and that sort of thing. He said, uh, uh, you want to go catch them? I go, <laughs> yeah. Ostriches are terrifying, right? You've seen Jurassic Park. Ah! That's where they come from, right? <laughs> of course, I'm a man and I'm over 40. So, of course, I want to go catch an ostrich. Do you know how you catch an ostrich? You go out at night. And we were riding four-wheelers, driving at an ungodly speed. And literally, this is what happened. We all bailed off the four-wheelers. You grab the ostrich by the head, the neck. And I remember in the middle of this, we're trying to get the neck, and the ostrich is doing his thing. And Jacques goes, oh, by the way, stay away from its feet. They could kill you. But lo and behold, we got it down, and and what you did with the ostrich in order to get it, you put a bag over its head so it cannot see anymore. As God is my witness, we did this twice. Jamie, would you go back and do it again? No. (laughs) Absolutely terrifying. But once the bag went over its head, it's amazing. We could just push them wherever they needed to go. I, I wonder if that's what Saul was going through. God had to blind him to get him where he needed to go. And if you're in this place today and the lights have gone out in some area of your life, you rest assured that God can use the darkness to get us where we need to go. In fact, somehow, some way, sometimes, that's the only way God can get us where he needs to go. And you see that. Saul was breathing murderous 
threats. He was angry. He was frustrated. He, he, this new religion was, was taking over. In fact, one commentator pointed out murderous threats. He was, he was breathing them out that his anger and angst and frustration and his hatred towards Jesus and the church uh, was so natural it came as easy as breathing. Maybe that describes you. Maybe that describes somebody you love. You're so frustrated with God, angry at God, you don't believe him, and, and all of a sudden right now, it's, it, 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 your, your doubt, your anger and frustration with God comes as easy as breathing. There's about three things from this passage of scripture that, that I, I believe are so true. Especially if you're here this morning and you have loved ones that you're believing God to reach and you're thinking they are in an untouchable state. There is no way God can reach them. Write this down if you're taking notes. Just because things aren't working doesn't mean God isn't working. Aren't you thankful that God is not handcuffed to our mode of operation? Paul leaves Jerusalem a murderer and enters Damascus a believer in Jesus Christ. Think about that. God supernaturally intervened. Who would have seen this coming? In fact, in Acts chapter 26, the apostle Paul is is trying to to explain to Herod Agrippa, he said this, he said, about noon, O king, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he adds a little more onto the conversation. He says this, that, that the statement was made by the Lord. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Maybe your version has that in a question mark. Why do you kick against the goads? Now, that might be an unfamiliar statement to most of us in this room, but in those days, people, if they wanted to control livestock or keep them in check or get them from one place to another, they would use what they called a goad, and it was a long, uh, a long stick with a pointy end on it, sometimes made of metal, and, and that was to make sure that, that that animal would stay in check, would behave, and go from point A to point B as as the, as the individual wanted them to go. Does that make sense? And, and in fact, there's, in fact there are, there's this idea that in philosophy in those days, it was also like this, that philosophers, if they made a point that, that you could not argue with them, it, it was like that. You were trying to argue with their truth, you tried to argue with their reality, and it was as if it was kicking against the goads. In essence, it was painful. Uh, let me say this. How many of us have ever been wrong? We know we're wrong, we're dead wrong, everything says we're wrong, but we refuse to admit we're wrong, Come on. right? It's painful. It's painful. And that question was posed to Saul by Jesus. Why do you kick against the goads? Saul, you know I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Saul, you know I'm the answer. You know I'm the Messiah. You know that that I'm going to win. Why do you keep kicking? Ultimately, what Jesus was telling Saul, he says, "I, I, I got you. Might as well give up. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, my my uh, my grandpa in later years uh, was a rancher, and we had we had cattle, and we used to get in cattle pens and work cattle. anybody ever worked cattle before? Put them in the head gates, give them shots, all that other good stuff. Um, it's fun until it's not. And some of them follow the rules, but there's always one that does not. And I can remember my dad. We were working cattle, and, and my dad would pull me aside and said, "Hey." 
watch out for grandpa. Let me tell you why. My grandpa was a man of God. I mean, the fruit of the spirit oozed out of him, the love of Jesus Christ. Many of you have heard me say this before. He could come into church on Sunday morning and our pastor would just simply say, good morning, church. And he'd be like, (laughs) hallelujah. He was that guy. But there was one fruit that that was was not in his life. And that was patience. Which brings me to the story of working cattle. Dad pulls me aside and says, hey, watch out for grandpa. Things could get a little dangerous. And I knew what that meant because, again, sometimes you're going to have, you're going to have a cow that just absolutely loses its mind. you got to learn how to jump up on the fence and, 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 and get out of there. But I remember one day we got, a, we got a cow going down the chute, and the cow just decided, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, you stay calm. You try to stay calm. Why? Because, you know, if you ever worked cattle before, you say, if I stay calm, the animal might stay calm and that sort of thing. So we're trying to get, I'm in the, in the stall trying to get it to go. And all of a sudden, I hear a, a faint sound, and it sounded like this. And then the cow made this ungodly sound. And here it comes, right? I jump up on the fence and I'm going, what just happened? And my grandpa was sitting behind the cow with something called a hot shot. There's a few of you who know what that is. For the rest of us, let me explain to you what it is. Let's call it a New Testament or a modern goad. Can we call it that? It's about this long. It's got two electrodes and a battery in it. And when that cow won't behave, you just touch Behind in. And there it goes. It shocks that animal enough to get the animal's attention. And most of the time, if the animal's somewhat normal, it will, it will obey. And, and I, I looked at Grandpa, and when, and when the cow almost killed me, ran past, I look at Grandpa, and he's just got this grin on his face. <laughs> well, Grandpa, I could have been, I could have been killed. He said something like this, respect your elders, and then hit me with it. (laughs) And had the same grin on his face. (laughs) Get in line. Ultimately, Saul was going to get in line whether he liked it or not. And he began to explain that the Lord spoke to him, why? Why do you kick against the goads? Why are you pushing so hard? You're going to lose this battle. Listen to me, folks. You may be kicking against God. You will lose that battle. Can I have an amen? You may have a, you may have a son or daughter who's away from God. They're in this searching phase. You, you think they're off limits. They're angry. They're breathing out. They're, 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 they're their rebellion, their, their sin is as easy as breathing. You be encouraged. You keep praying. God can get to them. And the truth is, they probably already know it's pointless. It's just one last, one last kick. Just because things aren't working doesn't mean God isn't working. There are some historians that believe that this wasn't the first 
encounter. In fact, if you read scripture, Acts chapter six, Acts chapter seven, Acts chapter eight, Paul was having this, these run-ins with, with believers. In fact, in Acts chapter six, he's present when Stephen uh, is on trial and Stephen just declares the glory of, of God and the wonders of Jesus Christ. They're going to stone him. And, and it says this in scripture, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And it says this, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. In essence, what they were saying that he was so full of God his face just reflected the glory of God if you jump to Acts chapter 7 and 8 it says that Saul was at the at at, at, there when Stephen was ultimately martyred he was killed for his faith and in fact it says that they they were laying their cloaks at his feet he was there and there are some that surmise that it was the godly behavior of saints the godly behavior of those in the New Testament church that somehow some way it touched his heart What, what do I mean by that here today Believers, here's our action step today. If you're a believer here today, act like it. Amen. Well, Jamie, you don't know what they said to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, they're gonna say this, and then I'm gonna say that, and then they're gonna say this. How many of you have like, like you had this argument mapped out in your head? Could it be that the best thing you can do is to shut your mouth? Yes. Amen. The Holy Spirit speaks louder and clearer than we ever will. Come on, somebody our godly behavior. Let me, let, let me preach for just a moment. In these last days, that's why it's important that believers reflect Jesus, not some man-made version of him. Amen. The Jesus of the Bible, can I have an amen? amen? Well, Jamie, if I act like Jesus of the Bible, if I speak that truth and act that way, it's gonna offend some people, folks. The Bible is offensive right. to the culture of this world. Amen? Amen? But we need to reflect the Lord. We need to love people. If we're under persecution, if we're under pain, Lord, help me reflect your glory. Amen? There are some historians that believe this, that the apostle Paul, being a, a Pharisee, being, being a, a teacher of the law, that he somehow some way was frustrated with his own spirituality. We talked about this last week, but according to the custom of that day, there were 613 religious laws that had to be obeyed. Now, can I have an amen? I can barely obey the thou shalt not kill some days. Kiss, you right? <laughs> Pastor's being too transparent, sorry. Um, 613 laws. He was frustrated. He felt guilty. He felt shameful because just about the time he, he, he got this one taken care of, he realized he was messing up on all of these. Let me pause there for just a moment. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law on our behalf. That's why we need Jesus. Can I have an amen? Listen, I love what one author said it this way. I need Jesus, not something that resembles him. Amen? Oh, folks, let your pastor preach for just a moment. We still need Jesus. I needed Jesus the day I got saved, and I need Jesus now. Can I have an amen? There are days I still struggle, days I still mess up, days I still need his grace. Oh, I can't keep the rules, but he kept on on my behalf. I put my faith in him. That's why the old hymn writer said it this way. It's grace that is greater than all my sin. Anybody thankful for the grace of God? Give him a huge round of applause here today, amen? He was frustrated, he was angry. His religiosity wasn't working and he was acting out 
Saul was having encounters with Jesus long before this moment on the road to Damascus. God was trying to get his attention. He was trying to help him. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe God's trying to get your attention. Maybe the breakup is God's way of getting your attention. Maybe the job falling apart is God's way of getting your attention. Maybe the depression and anxiety you're experiencing right now is God's way of getting your attention. Um, I found that every time I have an encounter with God or God wants me to get something right, he's given me opportunities all along the way. Um, When my son was little, I coached his t-ball team. How many of you have coached t-ball? Or soccer, anything like that. Uh, If you've been a coach before, you know it's not because you're really good with kids. It's because you weren't quick enough to have an excuse when they asked you. Right? That was me. And I remember coaching t-ball. Now, if you don't know what t-ball is, it's very simple. This is a t, and they put the t out there, put the ball on it, and you hit the ball. Babe, let me have that bat. Thank you. Um, Now, you may sit there and think, that's easy. You're right. There's no way a kid would ever strike out. But they do. A lot. And I was going to be that dad that wasn't going to take the game serious. I was going to stay really calm. And I'm like, literally, just hit the ball. It's not moving. You need to go play soccer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I would, I would never, never do that to a kid. Okay, anyway. Um, I, I was going to try to not make a soccer joke, and I did. Sorry. Please come back next week again. All right, all right. But here's what I learned. Sometimes these kids, man, they would hit underneath it. They would, they would swing and miss altogether. But I learned something. As their coach, I would pay attention. I'll go, okay, well, well this kid, he kind of dips his shoulder. So I need to adjust the T up and down. And that's what this does. You can adjust the T up and down. And ultimately, what I did, I, was, I got to where I could adjust the T according to their swing. Does that make sense? What does it have to do with us here today? Maybe you're here today, and you are swinging and missing in your marriage, or you're swinging and missing in your job. You're swinging and missing in your walk with the Lord. Could it be that God is adjusting the T? Not his word, but he's trying to, let me say it this way. In in, in sports, we call it this way, teeing them up. Same way in golf. Ultimately, you're going to get it. And I think God, all along the way, through the martyrdom of Stephen and some other things, that God was simply trying to tee him up up where there's no way and finally in this moment on the road to Damascus God supernaturally intervened right let me give this back to my wife (laughs) okay all right I love my wife and fear her at the same time okay here's the second thing I want you to get God works on people to work on people. Verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple by the name of Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes Lord, he answered. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias coming and placing his hands on him to restore his sight. 
If you are here today and you are praying for a lost loved one, if you're believing God to reach that coworker, that child, that grandchild, that spouse, you rest assured that not only is God working on them, but he's working on somebody else. Amen. God uses people a lot. In fact, I love what the theologian Warren Wiersbe, he, he said it this way, and it's so beautiful. It says, when God works, he works at both ends of the line. We never know what God is up to. God may want to use you, Woodlake family, to be an Ananias in somebody's life. Well, Jamie, I don't have the words. Good, God does. Well, Jamie, last time I tried to pray with somebody or witness to somebody, I, I, just, sounded, I just sounded silly. Can, can you relax for just a moment? Make the attempt. Make the attempt. You could be somebody's Ananias, somebody's grandmother is praying that somebody like you, full of the Holy Spirit, will step up and speak God's truth and God's words of life. It may look like going to a restaurant today and just simply speaking life into a waiter or waitress or leaving a tip or leaving a tip or leaving a tip. Well, Jamie, I don't tip, then don't go out to eat. And don't you dare leave an invite to come to Woodlake. I'll deny you before man and my father. No, I'm just kidding. Woodlakers, we need to tip well, amen? What does God want to do through you? I believe he wants to raise up Ananiases all across this place. Reaching people. Well, Jamie, I don't know if God can speak through me. I love in the Old Testament, God spoke through a, through a burning bush to get Moses' attention, amen? My favorite in all the Bible is this. God spoke through a donkey, literally made a donkey talk. God still uses don talking donkeys. You take that however you need to take it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> How many of you have been that talking donkey? <laughs> Verse 13 Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. He, he, was, he was freaking out. He said, God, I know Saul. I mean, he's murdering. He's throwing people in jail. There's, there's absolutely no, well, no way. And, and God comes back to Ananias and says this. He said, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name. Ultimately, the apostle Paul would be the number one mouthpiece for Gentiles to experience Jesus. In fact, let me give you another layer of hope. Could it be that that loved one that you are believing God for, that loved one who is kicking against the goads, that loved one who is so far from God, could it be that God has a plan for their life? Could it be that they are God's chosen instrument and once they have a radical encounter with God, oh, come on, somebody, now your grandkids are gonna come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Oh, let me preach for just a moment. Maybe, maybe their workspace is gonna come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe it's a teenager that's gonna come to know Jesus. Maybe at camp uh, from a couple of weeks ago and their, their football team or their, their geometry class is gonna have a radical encounter with God because they are God's chosen instrument. Let's be that Ananias. And then look at this. Ananias obeys. In verse 17, Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. 
I love that. Do you remember when you first came to church and it seemed like everybody had this secret language? They called everybody brother or sister. How many of you have been in that church? Brother, sister, brother, sister. What church? Where are we at right now? No way everybody can be related. Brother, sister, brother, sister. Ultimately, what, what Ananias was getting at, he knew that God had touched his heart. And he didn't put Saul on probation. He immediately welcomed him into the family of God. Here's what I'm getting at here today. If you are far from God and you don't have a relationship with him, if you are kicking against him, and part of your reasoning for, for kicking against the Lord is because you feel like, well, I, how am I ever gonna, I mean, I've lived life for so long my way. Listen, the moment you say yes to Jesus, you're a part of the family of God. Brother. Sister. Amen. Woodlake family, when you meet somebody from another Bible-believing church, they are your brother and your sister. We are on the same team as them. I said we are on the same team as them. Look what happens. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see and he got up and he was baptized. Here's the last thing I want, I want to give you. Listen, if you're here today and your heart hurts for that lost loved one, if it's getting worse, it's getting close. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord. He was at his worst. And he had an undeniable encounter with God. Grandma, be encouraged. Mom and dad, be encouraged. Employee, be encouraged. If it's getting worse, it's getting close. You see, God is more committed to their salvation than we are. Damascus was Saul's last kick against the goads. Maybe, just maybe, somebody's in their last kick. I just wish God would Blind him, <laughs> knock him down. <laughs> well, maybe it, looks, maybe it looks like that state trooper that pulls him over. Maybe it looks like the breakup. There's nothing off limits to be used of God to get somebody's attention. I, I received a testimony from somebody in our church some time ago and I asked permission to, to read it and uh, this person's in our church so I, I won't tell you their name but this is powerful. It says, I was 20 years old and was living a really rough life at the time. Very involved in drugs and alcohol, abusive relationship, bar hopping, the like. There wasn't a day that I wasn't high or something. 
had one friend that was my partner in crime, so to speak, and I would always seem to get myself into a very serious trouble and dangerous situations with this friend. My mom would stay awake during the night and intercede that the friendship would dissolve and that I would find Christ. Any moms in the house pray that prayer? She did this for months, and one week she was fasting for me, and I came home to visit her and announced that I was going to move in with this friend to save money. Naturally, my mom was devastated and discouraged. I love this. (laughs) This person wrote this. She thought God had lost his mind. (laughs) You ever think that before? (laughs) Just your pastor? Fine, okay. What seemed like the end was actually the beginning of my path, stumbling back to Christ. Within a short time, I stepped into Woodlake for the first time. God dissolved the friendship. Listen to this. I couldn't even get high anymore and enjoy it. Parentheses is sorry for the transparency. <laughs> now come full circle. I'm now a spirit-filled Christian with a family that loves and serves God. And this is how they ended it, and that's why I'm using it today. I am living proof it gets worse before it gets better. Amen? Amen. Lost, when you're lost, it means you do not have a relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. Well, Jamie, I have religion. I didn't ask about religion. Do you have Jesus? But I want you to listen to me. The lost aren't lost to God. Can I have an amen? He can get to them. He can get to them. Listen to what happened to Saul, and I'm going to end it on this, and I got to read it. It says at once, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. I love that. He was a, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious person who did not believe in Jesus. But once he had an encounter with Jesus, he couldn't stop preaching Jesus. Are you with me here today? In fact, all throughout his ministry, the only thing he could talk about was Jesus and his cross. The Jews were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? In fact, scripture goes on to say this, that he baffled the Jews. (laughs) I am ready to be baffled in Woodlake. Can I have an amen? Maybe it's a gang member that comes in and has a radical encounter with God and baffles us. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's a Teen Challenge student that comes in. They were in the first service today, and they had this radical encounter with God, and now they can't shut up about him. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your daughter who's kicking against the goats, but they have a radical encounter with God, and now they can't shut up. Come on, Woodlake family. Are you ready to see God baffle us here today? That's why the Apostle Paul, I love it, Saul became the Apostle Paul. That's why only he could write this. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. And if you're here today, and you're tired of kicking, I want to invite you into a relationship with God through Jesus. He knows exactly where you're at. Maybe you're frustrated with your own religiosity. You're frustrated with your own path in life. And you're just breathing this 
anxiety and hatred towards Jesus and his church, maybe other believers, but maybe today God's tapping on your heart saying, you can keep kicking. (laughs) You ever try to play spiritual chicken with God? You will lose every time. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I'm here to tell you, he loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay our penalty once and for all, for all of our sin, all of our mistakes. And the apostle Paul just broke it down real simple and just simply said this, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you need to be saved today? I want to invite you to say yes to the Lord. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody in here to simply bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're new with this, we do this every week. It just simply, I ask everybody, you say, Lord, what did I need to hear today? If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. You say, Jamie, that's me. I, I'm tired of kicking. Maybe you're just having this realization that God's been teeing you up all along the way. You'd say, Jamie, I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to leave here forgiven of my sin. If that's you on the count of three, all I want you to do is raise your hand. When you do, hold it up for just a moment, and then the entire Woodlake family is going to pray, every one of us, okay? You say, Jamie, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Would you raise a hand up here today? Hold it up real high. If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. Hold it up for just a moment. I see you. Anybody else? I got you. Amen. Amen, amen. We had three people say yes to Jesus Christ in the first service. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. If you're new with us, just let me be your pastor for just another 60 seconds. Woodlake family, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to join these individuals saying yes to the Lord here today. Can we do that? Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray, amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.